Of your great name, the enemy. 
All right. Hey, good morning again. Welcome to Real Life. If this is your first time, we want to make sure we say a special welcome to you. Thanks for joining us during Pandemic 2020. If you're joining us online, we're super glad to have you as well. If you take just a minute, uh, whether you're in person or online, go to reallifecc.us on your mobile device. Click the I'm new here link and uh, fill out that short form. We'd just uh, like to know that you were here. You stopped in to say hi. If you're joining us online, you can uh, chat in the chat window there as well. I'd uh, love to know who you are, where you're from, all that kind of stuff. Uh, oh, it's TV there. Uh, so uh, that, I, just before we get to the giving talk, let me just say, I'm sitting over there, uh, getting ready to come up on stage, sitting next to Julie, who's been running our uh, slides and stuff for 12 years, I think, something like that. Um, and, 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 you know, since we made adjustments to how we do everything in live stream stuff, she has to, there's about three times as many slides she has to kick, click through for every single song because we only have two lines, you know, on the thing. And uh, so there's a lot more concentration. And so she's over there. I noticed, I didn't say anything, but I noticed she's really nervous right now. I noticed she was, she was rocking to the beat of the song while she was clicking through the thing. So it was really cool to see her, you know, worshiping that way while she was serving. Awesome. Uh, thanks, uh, Julie. Um, so also, um, you know, COVID makes, uh, sometimes shipping gets a little slow. And so we didn't get communion, uh, individual communion cups in on time. So thanks for uh, being gracious uh, about that. But one of the things Ray and I talked about yesterday was, that, uh, you know, we don't want to get comfortable with just the way that we do things because that's how we do them here, you know. And so we thought that's a good opportunity for us to remember that, that communion isn't a right that we have. It's something that we get to do. Um, and so, Ray, thanks for sharing that stuff, and, and, uh, and thank you for being gracious with that. All right, every uh, week we take a moment out to continue to worship God by giving some of what he's given to us. And I uh, was reading in Habakkuk this last week, and so I want to share uh, one of the verses that I read there. Because like everything else in every area of our life, God is looking for faith, right? That's what he's after. He wants to see faith in every aspect of our lives. Faith is what happens when you do something that doesn't make sense to you simply because God says to do it. Do you ever think about faith being like that? Faith is just doing something God says to do even if it doesn't make sense to you. And, and so in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, God speaks to the people through the prophet uh, Habakkuk, that's his name, when he says this, I, the Lord, refuse to accept anyone who is proud. Only those who live by faith are acceptable to me. Those are pretty strong words from God to the Israelite people. The, the proud do what they think is best, right? If, if you have pride, it means you think your way is the right way um, and you know better than anybody else. That's, that's pride. I've prided myself. I know what to do. I can handle it myself. People who have pride, they, they um, take their own advice. They follow their own plan. And there's something interesting that happens when we deal with pride in, in our lives. First of all, um, we think that we know best that our plans will succeed even if 
they're in contrast to what God says. And secondly, we assume that God will be uh, loving and gracious to us and won't punish us for doing our thing instead of his thing, right? So both of those things are, are at play when our pride takes over and we do what we want to do. We assume that we're going to succeed and we assume that God won't do anything about it or that God can't do anything about it. But it's not our pride that gets God's attention. It's our trust in him. It's when we have faith. It's when we trust him when we don't know what to do. So whether it's your life, your relationship, your eternity, or even your finances, God's desire is that you and I would always act in faith towards him and not in pride. It's pride when we tell God that his financial plans won't work in our lives because I know my financial situation better than God does. See, God wants us to trust us, trust him in every area of our life, even when it doesn't make sense to us. And so today, I just want to invite you um, to do that. Whether you're here in person or whether you're joining us online, I invite you to trust God instead of what you think is right or best or the way it ought to be. And in the area of finances, you can do that here at Real Life by running over to reallifecc.us, clicking on the orange give icon in the bottom right-hand corner, following that giving uh, flow. It's going to prompt you for every single thing. You can set up one-time or recurring gifts, input your uh, bank stuff, uh, create an account, and then you're done. If you're joining us online, just go to the uh, chat window, click on the blue Give Now button, and you can follow this uh, exact same prompt. Uh, and if you are here in person and you don't do the online thing, um, we have a bucket over there by the back doors. It's our COVID safe offering bucket, uh, which is just a standard bucket. Uh, okay. So anyway, let's pray and then you give as God leads you. God, thank you for this day and for giving us all good things. Thank you for loving us, for being with you, uh, being with us. And, and God, um, Help us to, to not just recognize, but then deal with the issues and areas of pride in our life where we think we know better than you. Help us just to trust you, just a simple trust. Jesus called it childlike faith. Um, and, and God, would we apply that to every area of our lives as we seek to look more like your son. As we do that, God, you'll grow your kingdom and you'll continue to ministry and, and a mission through this place. And we just thank you for that opportunity to partner with you in that. We ask that you would bless this time and, and uh, each of us here in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know this is kind of a strange thing to start with in the uh, middle of the country here in uh, Kansas, but if you have ever been on a ship at sea, just interesting, have anybody ever been on a, on a boat out in the ocean? Yeah, a few of you, okay. 
Cool. I, I got to do that uh, when Andrew and I, like 30-some years ago, Andrew and I, uh, I think it was our engagement party or something, and our dad's, uh, my dad and uh, father-in-law Dwayne went out on a boat in the ocean and, uh, in Newport, where my parents were, were from, and uh, went to go deep-sea fishing, so that was kind of cool. But if you've ever been on a ship at sea, you know that the only way to get from where you are to where you want to be is by paying careful attention to your heading, right? If you're on a boat out in the middle of the sea, you want to pay careful attention to your heading. Now, when the sea is calm and the sun is out and and, or the stars are are bright, that's not much of a problem. You've got lots of things to look at to help you keep that steady heading. But in the darkness, the chaos of a storm, it becomes a much bigger struggle. Now, last week, we learned the important role that struggles play in our lives just day to day, right? That struggles help build our strength and our stamina, our spiritual strength and stamina to weather the storms that, that come and to deal with the things that, are, that, that Satan and that just the world are going to bring at us. They help us build those spiritual things that we need just to weather each and every day. This morning, I want to spend just a, a few minutes right at the beginning here kind of unpacking what I think is the, the one main trick that Satan uses to distract us when we're trying to go, grow through whatever it is that we're going through. Now this one thing I think has tripped up more followers of Jesus perhaps than anything else. And, and so um, here's this has started. Getting advice from people and places that seem legit but aren't really helping you look more like Jesus. Um, by the way, if you're younger, le- legit means um, legitimate. Uh, you got to go back, watch some MC Hammer on YouTube. Uh, you'll figure that out. Okay, so let's consider some of the most popular ways that, um, that, that we are popular places and people that we go to for advice in our life. Um, the first one I think that most of us go to is, uh, is our friends, right? There's a struggle or a problem in our life. We're going to go to our friends and we're going to ask them, what do you think I should do? And that's probably not a, a bad idea. It's probably not a bad thing to, to, to ask your friends for help. But I want to give you this one, um, this one caution. And I want to make sure I say it right. Um, if you can't follow your friend's spiritual example, you shouldn't be following their lifestyle counsel. Okay, I tried to make that rhyme so it was easy to follow. Because I know like, we have close friends and we want to um, go to them. We want to ask them questions. But, but if you can't follow their spiritual example in their life, how they're living their life, their connection to God, if they're looking more like Jesus, then why would you want to follow their lifestyle counsel? It doesn't make any sense to me why a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, would seek the advice of somebody who is not a follower of Jesus about major things that are going on in your life. Uh, And and so let me take just a second out here because I want to step on your toes this morning. If you're married and you're going to somebody who is not a believer and you're asking about marriage advice and and, and things like that, that, that's a tricky thing to do, okay? I've seen marriage after marriage just destroyed Because one person in that partnership is going outside of that marriage and asking for advice from a friend who maybe 
has, uh, is not a believer and then maybe has been divorced or been through something and they're just kind of jaded towards marriage anyway. So we got to be careful, okay? You can go to your friends, but you got to be careful about the kind of advice that your friends are going to give you. Let's look at the next one. Um, this is a good one. Uh, horoscope. We're just going to call that. I did not um, misspell that. Uh, that was on purpose, okay? I do not understand, and, I, and forgive me as this, if this is you. I'm just going to be as, as clear as I can. I do not understand why a follower of Jesus who worships the God who created everything and who is sovereign over everything would go to a horoscope for advice. It makes no sense. Why would you ask the sun and the moon and the stars about your life when you can go to the guy who created the sun and the moon and the stars? Okay? So if that's you, if you're one of those people who, and and look, Facebook has made it easy. To just check, like, oh, I just like that page, and so now I get my horoscope every day. Look, right now, right now, go, just go to your phone, unlike that crap, and get it off of there. You do not need that junk in your life, okay? All right, um, here's another one, a little more uh, for you, for you younger, younger folks. Um, that woke YouTuber social influencer that you follow. Um, these people, let me just be, and I'm going to, okay, I just feel like stepping on some toes this morning. I don't know. I didn't get so much sleep last night. Maybe that's it. So, so here's the deal. Some of those people who, who would call themselves social media influencers, all right, that's the term that they use. If you're on social media and you have somebody, anybody following you, you're an influencer, um, and, and what, and that, like, that's a big deal, right? Because the idea is that if you're on those social media platforms, you are influencing other people in the way they think and they act and what they do and all of that stuff, okay? I, I have noticed that many of those social media influencers, they talk about faith a lot. They talk about how close they are to God now that they're woke. By the way, um, my wife said the other day, she said, listen, nobody knows what woke means. And it's because she doesn't know what woke means because she doesn't pay attention to that stuff. But you probably, if you're watching online and you know how to get online, you probably know what woke means. Um, woke just is, means one of the, like you've woken up, okay? Go back to the matrix that Antoine mentioned several weeks ago. It means that you've woken up, you're alive, you're alert to all of the stuff. So if you want to know somebody who's woke, Go to your Facebook friends list and look for somebody who's talking about the pandemic and the blah, 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 and whatever, anything that has to do with the pandemic that's like a fringe idea, okay? Um, the, the, those people, that's what we're talking about, okay? So woke means they're not a sheep. They've woken up to the reality of what's going on, okay? Look, can I, can I just, sometimes that's true and good. Like we need to have, as believers, we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear, Sometimes that's just crazy, okay? Like you just, like you call, like crazy, let's just call crazy crazy. That's just cray cray. Um, okay, so so let me, so, so some of the social media influencers, spending way too much time on this. Social media influencers, what I've noticed is a lot of them will get on and they'll talk about how close they are to God since they got woke and how much they read their Bible and how, like all of these Really personal things, like my Bible study time, my personal prayer time, my coffee, and all that kind of stuff. 
What you very seldom hear them talking about is how they're involved at their church, let's say. How they're plugged in, how they're serving, how they're involved in that. Um, or what God is actually doing, like not just personally, because sometimes we think God is just wants to involve personally. Like God, God never, how do I say this right? God wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to be in you, and he wants to be working in you, and he wants to be growing you in your relationship to him. However, the visible side of that is always growth in the relationships with the people around you. So if you're growing closer to God, you are always growing in your relationships, okay? It's not just this vertical relationship with God. It's a horizontal relationship. And so many of these people on YouTube that I've seen, they talk about how much God is growing them, but it never goes beyond the bounds of their living room or dining room or wherever their YouTube camera is set up. Okay, do you get that? Which means it's show, okay? That when... when God is doing stuff in here, but that's not making it out here, then, then you're, you're, you're saying something that's not really going on, okay? You're making yourself look good and sound good, but it's not really God working in those areas. So, be very careful when you're going to look at, at some YouTube or social media influencer about what's going on. You're going to take spiritual advice from somebody who isn't really growing themselves. Okay, maybe I got everything uh, uh, there. Uh, here's the last one. Um, yourself. When you are going through a struggle and it's difficult and, and like your emotions are like at their peak and it's, everything is falling apart, you are a really bad person to get advice from. You, you, like, you don't even have to be a Christian to understand this, right? If your emotional state is messed up, you are not thinking clearly. And you're not going to give yourself good advice. And, and, so, and so, the like, okay, wait. Don't just jump to the next thing. Don't just, ooh, this is what I got, like... Give yourself some time and, and let God work in there through that. Don't just follow your own a, a, advice. So today, I, I hope that you'll um, learn. So we go through the message, how to know if who you're listening to is actually helping you instead of hurting you as you work through the struggles in your life. Because here is our bottom line. If you're not heading toward God, you're not heading toward good. In your life, in whatever area, in whatever struggle you're going through, if you're not heading toward God, you're not heading toward good. We talked about this in the, in the giving talk. Sometimes we think in pride, I know best. I know the direction to go. I know what I should do. But if it's not getting you closer to God, it not ultimately, it's not ultimately going to lead to your good. Okay? Before we go on with the text and jump into James, let's take a minute to pray. God, I thank you for just um, loving us. And today, I, I pray that you would give all of us, myself included, uh, eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open to you. And, and God, as we go through these 
um, struggles and we try to grow through them to look more like your son Jesus, it's, it's difficult and it's hard. And, and sometimes we end up getting advice and, and, and seeking advice from places that really aren't out for our good. And so God, would you just help um, redirect us, get us back on course, um, following you, following the directions that you've given us for life because when we follow the directions that you've given life just goes better in every aspect our relationships our emotional health our finances in every area life is better when we're doing life the way you told us to and so God help us to to hear that today and to put that into practice in our lives as you give us strength and as your spirit works in us in Jesus name amen so um, often in the midst of struggle, we simply don't have the spiritual or the emotional bandwidth to make good decisions. And that's why we're seeking input from others, right? It, it's, 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 our desire is to make good decisions, and so we're looking for options and input and, and help me make those decisions. But if the decisions that we're making aren't godly, then they're not truly good. Sometimes the correct decision can be the most challenging decision. Sometimes the right decision can be the thing that we absolutely do not want to do. Because of that, in the midst of our struggles, we seek an easier way out that actually leads to a more difficult way forward. Let me say that again. Sometimes in the midst of our struggles, we seek an easier way out of our struggles that leads to a more difficult way forward in our lives. And, and guess what? This is the good part. God knows that this is how we think and this is how we function. Like he created us. He knows that this is our tendency, that this is the way we do and uh, do things. And that's why he never leaves us alone in the midst of our struggle. And James points this out perfectly. We're going to be in James chapter 1 again. And we're going to just uh, follow the next few verses from where we were last week. James says this in uh, beginning of verse 5. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father because he loves to help. He loves to help. Oftentimes we um, feel guilty for the situation that we're in, right? Um, we know that we've blown it, we messed up, we did something that we shouldn't have, and that's why we're in the situation um, we're in. By the way, we're going to be talking about this more next week in part three of uh, our devoted series. Anyway, we know when we've screwed up, we know when we've blown it, and that often leaves us so ashamed that we let it go so far, right? Like, I can't believe I let this go so far that we end up not going to God for advice about our struggle because we feel bad that we put ourselves in that place. And so the one person who can help us, the one person who loves to help us, we don't go to because we're ashamed or we have guilt or, or, or whatever. Or maybe you've just been um, beat up by life. And you just have this, 
feeling because of what people have said or the situations that have happened in your life. You just feel like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy enough to go to God. Who, who am I that God would pay attention to me or that God would answer me or listen to me? I know for my felt, myself, I felt like, you know, I, I should have known better. Like I, you know, I'm the preacher. I should know the answer to this question. I should know how to get out of this. Sometimes that keeps me from going directly to God when I'm in the middle of a struggle that's too big for me. And I hold back and I wait and I think, ah, maybe I can do it myself. And I realize, oh, that's pride coming back in, right? And I, and I got to go, God, I, I can't do it. I need your help. But listen to what James says uh, next here in the next part of that verse. God loves to help. He loves to help. I guarantee you that no matter how bad you want to make the right decision in and for your life, God wants it more. He wants you to make the right decision, to go the right way, to follow the right path. He doesn't like to see you in pain. He wants you to grow. He wants you to look more like Jesus. And he's never cheered for you to fail or to fall, but he's always been the first one there when you do. I don't know what kind of father you had growing up. But whatever picture you have in your mind of the best father, what the best father would look like and the kinds of things that he'd do and the way he would talk to you, God is better. God is better. Every picture of God that Jesus ever painted in the New Testament, every time he ever spoke about God and, and, and what God was doing and what God is like, was always a father who wanted what was best for his child. Even when the child did something stupid, even when the child had it coming, even when the child needed to learn the lesson the hard way, right? That's a difficult thing for parents. God is always seen as a father right on the edge, waiting for the perfect moment when we'd finally reach out, we'd finally recognize that we need him, that we need help, then we cry out to him, and he's always right there. Because he loves to help. God is not the type of father um, who comes to our rescue only to spend the next 10 years reminding us of how stupid of a decision that was. We, you know people in, in your life like that. Maybe it's not your mom or your dad. Maybe it's his uncle or aunt or something like that. But you know that one person, and every time you come up, that thing that you did and you blew it and whatever comes up in the conversation. Remember that time. Well, you can't be trusted. God is not like that. He doesn't give you the silent treat, treatment, and he doesn't harp on you when you just need a hug. That's not the kind of... God, that's not the kind of father that he is. And so James just says, look, when you don't know what to do, simply ask. Ask your father for help because he loves to help you. And I love what James says next. He says this, you'll get his help. 
If you ask, all you got to do is ask and you'll get his help and he won't, you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. God's not going to go, oh well, you figure it out, dummy. God doesn't do that. Even when we've blown it, even when we need to learn a lesson, if we ask God for help, we get his help. He's always right there. When you call on God for help, he doesn't offer opinion or commentary or criticism, even if that's what we deserve. Because listen, God never treats us the way that we deserve. God has never treated you or me the way that we deserve. Just think about that for a second. I mean, that's huge in and of itself. That How many times have I blown it and I've said the wrong thing and I've done the wrong thing and I've thought the wrong thing and I've gone my own way and I've acted in pride and I've been selfish and stupid and just haven't done what God, and he's never treated me the way I deserve. God is always loving, even at our most unlovely. This is a difficult part for us to, for us to get because, because we live in a world where we recognize that there are consequences for decisions and if you do this, you've got to live with that and all that kind of stuff and we want to make sure that somebody's going to pay for what they've done and na 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 but you'll get his help. Even if you couldn't stay off the meth anymore. Even if you had to take another drink. Even if you jumped back into bed with this first person that walked, like, like God is right, like he loves to help us even when we don't deserve his help. And he doesn't condescend He's just there with a hand to help us up and get us back on the right road. The, the reason that he treats us so well is pretty simple. And it's that God doesn't want you to learn to fail. He wants you to learn to follow God's not there to, 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 to beat you up when you fail. He wants to help you follow. And so he's going to be with you through those times. Sometimes we can get this picture of God, especially because this is how he's portrayed, right, in books and movies. We get this picture of God that, that he's in heaven just waiting for us to mess up so that he can, like, pounce on us, Right? You get this idea if you read books, you watch movies, you do whatever, that God is just there. He's waiting right in the wings. He's just outside of, of help, the ability to help. He's just waiting for us to blow it so he can jump out and go, ah, I caught you. God's just waiting. to. Like he, God is in heaven right now. He just can't wait to send us all to hell. That's the picture of God that a lot of people have. That is like, oh, he's excited for this. It's going to be, he's going to be like, aha, I finally got you, and you're going to get what's coming to you. This is never how God felt. This is never how God feels. God is not a calloused stepfather like the world proclaims him to be. Just can't wait to send you to hell to pay for the pain you've caused him. 
That is not who God is. It doesn't sound like the behavior of a God who loved you so much that he allowed his son to face your death in your place just for the chance to spend eternity with you. To, to understand this God who would allow his own son to die in our place so that he might have relationship with us and then also this God going, I can't wait for them to mess up so I can punish them. It doesn't work that way. For God so loved the world so much that he sent his only son. Now look, before we begin to like, get this big ego, like God needs us, God wants us in heaven for heaven to be perfect for God, you need to understand that that is not how it works. God, I, I know what the poems say, okay? But God is not waiting for you to get to heaven because like you're just the last piece of the puzzle and man, once you get here, heaven's just gonna be perfect. Oh, like heaven is already perfect because God is there. And he doesn't need a single one of us to be present with him for things to be perfect. I think that makes the fact that he loves me so much even more incredible. Because he doesn't need me. He simply wants me. Just like he wants you. God doesn't need us in heaven to, for heaven to be perfect. He wants us there because he loves us and he wants to have relationship with us and he wants to talk to us and he wants to help us because he's a loving father who cares about the things that are going on in our lives. And that's why James says what he says next. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. God's right there. He, he wants to help, right? He loves to help. And all we have to do is cry out to him. All we have to do is call out to him and he's not going to come and, and, and be condescending towards us. He's just going to give us the hand that we need and, and help us um, back up. And so because we have a loving father who cares about us so much, we should ask boldly and believingly without a second thought. Now when we're in the middle of a struggle and we go to God for help, he wants us to approach him as he is, as this loving father, not in fear or doubt or, or shame. He wants us to come boldly, believing that he not only can help us out of our situation, but that he will respond in our time of need. Because that's what a dad does, right? That's what a loving dad does. When you have a time of need, even if it's your fault, he comes to the rescue. There's a story in Jeremiah 42 that I think fits um, perfectly with what's going on in the book of James. So let me give you a little bit of, uh, of background really quickly. So the Israelites for um, decades have been sinning, right? They haven't been following God. They've been 
living in pride. They've been going their own way. They've been doing their own thing. They followed all the idols and the false gods of all the nations around them. And in fact, God even says at one point, you even sacrifice your children to idols. You give them in the fire so that, so that this fake god of wood or wood or metal or whatever will bless you somehow. He says something I've never even thought of, never entered my mind that a person would give their own child like this. And, and, and he says, look, you've blown it. Like God drove the people out of the Holy Land, right? The, the promised land, the Middle East, that God told the Israelites, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he was going to give them so like this everlasting inheritance, right? And the reason that God drove the people out that lived there already was because of their sin. It was because they worshipped idols, that they didn't pay attention to God, that they sacrificed their own children, that they gave themselves to every kind of immorality imaginable. That's why God drove them out. It wasn't that God just like showed up and went, hey, I don't like you anymore, I'm going to kick you out. No, it was their sin that caused God as discipline to drive them out and he gave the land to his people. But now he says in Jeremiah, you've all sinned worse than the people that I drove out before you. So here's what happens. God uses the nation of Babylon to come, and Babylon basically destroys the whole world. Like they conquer every nation, nation after nation. They finally get to the doorstep of Jerusalem, and they take it. They lay siege to it. They take it. They take most of the people from uh, Jerusalem and Judea, and they take them back to Babylon. But there's a small group of people, of Jewish people, left there. And so what do they do? Like you would think, because Jeremiah, for 40 years, Jeremiah's been going to the Israelite people and going, look, you're blowing it. You've sinned, and if you don't straighten up, if you don't repent, if you don't drop this idol worship and stuff, God is going to bring discipline on you to bring you back to himself. And for 40 years, he proclaimed that message, and they totally ignored him. And then Babylon shows up, they destroy the nation, they take everything out of the temple, they go back to Babylon, they leave a small group of people there in Jerusalem, and what do they do? They turn to God. No, they don't. Instead, they killed the guy that the king of Babylon left in charge, they killed all the people that were associated with him, and all the Babylonian guards that were protecting him. They just killed them all, just murdered them all. And then they went, oh crap. What have we done? So they go to Jeremiah, the prophet, again, who for 40 years has been telling the people, if you don't do what God wants you to do, he's going to punish you, and he's going to bring Babylon, and he's going to destroy you. And so they go to Jeremiah, and they say, look, Jeremiah, like we've blown it. We, we realize we've blown it. Would you go to God and ask him what we should do? Because we want to go to Egypt but we're not sure that's what God wants to do. And so would you ask God what to do? And whatever God tells us to do, that's what we'll do because we know that God knows best. Okay, that's what they told Jeremiah. So Jeremiah goes, okay, I'll, I'll go to God. If you're going to do what he says, I'll go to God. And so Jeremiah goes back to God and he, um, he prays to God. God, what do we do? And God says, don't let anybody go to Egypt. Everybody stay here. Okay, so if you're in the midst of a struggle, physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, you will never, here's the thing, you'll never reach your destination if you're reading the wrong directions. 
The Israelite people, they wanted to go to Egypt because they thought they would escape punishment if they went to Egypt. They were reading the wrong directions. You will never get to your destination. In real life, we say we want to help every person possible find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day. That's our destination, right? We want to look more like Jesus every day in our lives, and we want to act like King Jesus is on the throne. We want to bring his rule and reign to the earth. How do we do that? We do that by functioning the way he tells us to, by doing the things that he tells us to, by living contrary to what the world says. You want to know who the real woke people are in the world? You and me. Because we got God's word to tell us the truth regardless of whatever else is going on in our lives. So look, if we're going to get to God, if we're going to look more like Jesus, if we're going to have the hope of heaven, if we're going to be with King Jesus someday in eternity, we've got to know where our destination is so we know which direction to follow. Because if you're going to your friends, if you're going to the YouTuber, if you're going to your horoscope, those are not the right directions and they will not get you to the destination that you want. If you're looking for a way out and not a way forward, you know, so you don't um, end up right back where you are in a week or a month or a year, you're not going to get good advice and you're certainly not going to grow if you're not looking at the right directions. So here's what James tells us next. He says, people who worry their prayers. Do you ever done that? Do you understand what that means? So I'm in the midst of a struggle. I don't know what to do. And so I go to God and I ask God, God, please give me wisdom, right? Because that's what James said. If you need help, ask for it. God's going to give it to you. God, I need help. I need wisdom. I need guidance. And then we turn around, and in the next breath, we're looking for that wisdom and guidance from all these other places that aren't God. And then we're going, oh, I don't know if, God, if, if this is really what God wants me to do, or what should I do? I don't know. Uh, we worry our prayers. That's what, that's what it means. Remember, James said, when you ask, ask boldly and believingly. That God's going to show up and that he's going to help. Okay, people who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. And so don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, this is the part I like, keeping all your options open. So we go back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, here's what the people say. Ask God what to do and whatever he says, we're, we'll do it, Right? Whatever, if God will just get us out of this problem, we'll do whatever it is that he says. And so God, uh, Jeremiah goes to God, he prays, he comes back to the people with God's answer. He says this, listen, you remnant of Judah. The Lord has told you, don't go to Egypt. Don't forget the warning I've given you today. For you are not being honest when you sent me to pray to the Lord your God for you. You said, it's Jeremiah Excuse me, Jeremiah talking. You said, just tell us what the Lord our God says and, and we'll do it. And today, Jeremiah says, I have told you exactly what he said. But you will not obey the Lord your God any better now than you have in the past. So you can be sure that you will die from war, famine, and disease in Egypt where you insist on going. 
there have been multiple times in uh, 20, 21 years that I've been a preacher where I've had people come to me in the midst of the struggle, relationship, job, whatever. And it sound really sincere. They're like, preacher, I just need to know what to do. Can you please help me? What would God have me do in this situation when you know, I'm, I'm facing separation or divorce or loss of job, whatever it is? Would you just, just what would God have me do? And I've spent hours sharing with people, like from God's word, here's what God would say about how you should love your spouse or what you should do in this difficult situation. I've laid it all out, A, B, C, D. Here's right out of God's word what you should do in your life. And time and time again, as soon as I'm out the door, that person does the exact opposite of what I just told them God would have them do. And so there have been times where, like, I, can I just confess to you a little bit? There have been times I've gone to Andrew and I've gone, look, <laughs> um, they're not going to get any more advice from me. <laughs> like, I'm not going to waste any more time. And that's biblical, right? Don't cast your pearls before swine. Uh, so I, I'm not going to, like, well, I'm giving up all this time and you're not even going to pay attention to it. Look, the, they're, you're faking spirituality but have no intention of actually doing things. I want to look like I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not going to. That's what James says, that if, 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 if you're going to worry your prayers, if you're going to keep your options open so that you can do the easiest thing instead of the best thing, that's a problem. And you shouldn't expect to reach your destination if you're looking at those wrong directions. James is warning us about keeping our options open. Malachi, um, let me give you this example. Malachi 2.16. You're probably not familiar with that. Let me tell you what it says. Malachi 2.16 says, God hates divorce. That's a little uncomfortable, isn't it? Because in our society today, in our culture, we don't hate divorce. In fact, sometimes we kind of like it. And so there's this disconnect, right? This struggle. If I'm trying to get to God, if I want to look more like Jesus, I've got to do what he says, even if it might be uncomfortable. Even if I may not want to do it. That's what James is getting at. If you're not going to follow God's directions because you want to keep your options open, you're not really seeking or following God. Now, God loves you. He wants the best for you. And if you're willing to turn to Him, if you're willing to follow Him, He will be with you every single step of the way. But if you're trying to play Him, if you're trying to get His blessing without actually following his boy. See, I rhymed that again so it would be easier for you. If you're trying to get the blessing of God without following his son, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God is not a genie in a lamp and you just rub the lamp and you get a thousand wishes and like whatever you need, hey, I'm there. God wants the best for you and so he's going to give you the advice that may not always be easy, but it will always be right. And it will always lead to your good, even if it's a little difficult. 
So here's how the Israelites treated God's direction. They said this to Jeremiah. You lie. He told them, no, look, if you go to Egypt, you're going to die. Okay? And they said, you lie. The Lord our God hasn't forbidden us to go to Egypt. Uh, Baruch has convinced you to say this because he wants us to stay here and be killed by the Babylonians or be carried off into exile. So all the people refused to obey the Lord's command to stay in Judah. And do you know what happened? I mean, I don't want to give the story away, but do you know what happened? Almost all of them died in Egypt, just like Jeremiah said. Look, if you're going to ask for help from God, you've got to be ready to follow God. God's ready and willing and able. He wants to help you. And He's not going to bring up your past. He's not going to beat you over the head with all the dumb decisions you've ever made. But if you want help from Him, you've got to be willing and ready to follow Him. So how can you know if the advice you're listening to is actually helping or hurting you? Right? I I told you I was going to tell you today how to know. Here's how to know if the advice you're getting from your friends or from other people or whatever is helping you or hurting you. And it's pretty simple. If it's in line with God's word, it will help you on your way. That's how you know. If the decision or the choice that you're making in the midst of your struggle or to get out of struggle, if that decision or that choice is in line with God's word, then you can trust that it's going to help you on your way. And you don't have to, like James says, you don't have to worry your prayers about that. Now that's hard, right? It's difficult because sometimes God tells us to do things that we don't want to do. But God will always give us the right advice and the right direction. Listen to what James says just a few verses later, verse um, 22. He says this, Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other, he says, act on what you hear. So when God gives you that advice, when you cry out to help for him and you ask him to tell you what to do or where to go or whatever, when you get that advice from him, you got to do it. you got to follow it. You've got to do what he says. The writer of Proverbs 29 said this, When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Welcome to 2020. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Now we can seek advice all day long, but the choice we ultimately make determines the direction that we take. And you won't get to God if you're not following godly advice. So, you've got to determine your destination ahead of time. You've got to figure out where it is that you want to go and who it is that you want to be. Do you want to look more like Jesus? Or do you want to look more like Janet or Justin or somebody else? Do you just do like I just do you just want to be famous? Do you just want or do you want to have more of Jesus? Do you want to have that, that kind of hope and faith that the Bible calls a rock of salvation? on which you can stand no matter what struggle it is that you're going through. 
God is willing and able to help in your time of struggle. But he doesn't want to see you right back in the same mess tomorrow. And so sometimes God is going to wait until you're ready to actually follow him. Not just seek help from him in the short term. Like God just, sometimes we go, God just get me out of this issue and then forget about God. If your goal is to keep your options open so that you can do whatever you want in the end, you're not really seeking Jesus. And so why are you asking for his help? If your destination is God, your directions have got to be godly. You're not going to look more like Jesus if you're not willing to follow his lead. But if you're heading toward God, even though the path may be difficult before you, you're heading toward good. You're heading toward a, a deeper and better and fuller relationship, not just with God, but with his children, with his church, with others who are going the same direction as you. This is how you remain faithful in the same direction over the long haul. You continue to go back to God for help and direction and guidance, and then you follow that path. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us and forgiving us so much. God, thank you for just your word that, that guides us and that gives us our bearing when we're lost in the midst of, of struggle and turmoil and we don't know where to go. You are that guiding light, that north star, that, that, that map for us to follow. So God, would you just give us the, give us the strength to follow you wherever you lead? I, like we know that you have our best, our good in mind. So help us to walk that path, even if it might be difficult, even if it's something we don't want to do. Help us to follow you all the time, every way, because you love to help us. God, help us this week do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, the band is going to play a final song, but at the end of that song, we're going to run a quick promo for next Sunday's message, so uh, sit tight and wait for that. Let's stand up and sing the last song.
Stay the course by seeking God's direction to help keep us on track. Next Sunday, we'll explore the third step in developing faithful obedience in the same direction. How to keep and maintain spiritual integrity and enthusiasm as we face the struggles of everyday life. The key is not just giving God's word a passing glance, but letting it penetrate your heart and mind to give you a new picture of who you are in Jesus. 